You're listening to an Air Books podcast. Hey guys, it's Aiden of Aiden's Books, and I'm here with Mommy. Welcome to Parenting and Bonding with Children's Books. Our episodes are recorded first via video. For the full experience, check out the video interview on my Facebook page, Aiden's Books. Next, you'll hear Mommy doing the interview. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. And welcome to the Parenting and Bonding with Children's Books podcast, where we believe that books are magic and have the power to transform homes. On this podcast, we talk to the authors behind the magic to find out their true intentions behind the books. And tonight, we are here with Erin Swamley. Hi, Erin. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited that you are here. Guys, we've been trying to get Erin on the show for like a year, and it's all my fault that she's just now, (laughs) that she's just now appearing with us, but I'm so happy that this finally worked out. Yes, well, thank you. And hey, we're all living in a pandemic. We're trying to write, we're trying to read, enjoy time with family. So we're just happy to be here, and I'm glad that I get to connect with you today. Yes, yes. Well said. Thank you so much. So I think that tonight is going to be, besides we had uh, a gentleman on the show, he had a book about space, but it was like a, it was a different type of book. This is the first like real, like I think STEM book that we've had on the show. And it's not like a traditional storybook that we've had, but as a STEM mom, meaning a mom, my son, Aiden guys, he goes to a STEM school. Um, you know, we work through nonfiction books all the time. We love to read all types of books. Nonfiction is important for us. Um, and when we saw this book, we got super excited about this, just the variety of um the variety of people that Erin has uh and her co-author, mm-hmm. right? I do. Yes, I have a co-author. And what we always like to say is we like to share the stories, the careers and the superpowers of people in STEM. And so just if you're out there and you're like STEM, I know I've heard it. It stands for science, technology, engineering and math. Mm -hmm. And you are so right. This book is actually nearly 100 pages. So it's not a book that you're going to read to your kid, um, you know, just tonight, everything. But it is a book that you can grab at any point in time and explore and learn something new with your own kids um, and learn about the people who are shaping our planet and changing the way that we live our lives. Yes, yes. You you know what, guys? Let me give you some background to Aaron because we completely skipped. I had the book next to me and I just got so excited. But Aaron is working to create a new generation of STEM superheroes. She's an author and an educator, and her publications um, and encounters focus on sharing the diverse faces of STEM that excites me and creating excitement about STEM careers. Um, So this book right here, Everyday Superheroes, Women in STEM, is the first in a series. And then you have two more coming, correct? 
Yeah. So this is the okay. first in a series. The second one will feature women in energy. So we're looking at women who are working in our national labs, women who are working on a solar farm, women who are working um, and the financial side of things. So that mm-hmm. is coming in the spring of 2022. And for you engineers out there, you know, lots of moms, dads, uncles, cat, grandmas, grandpas are engineers. Our third book that we've already started to imagine is featuring women in engineering, because I don't know about you or if Aiden could explain what's the difference between a scientist and an engineer and hmm. how many types of engineers are out there and what do they study and what does an engineer actually do? Um, so I'm really excited about that book as well. Um, and this is an illustrated series really for like third through fifth graders, um, because we wanted to take this content that we usually target for like middle schoolers and really say, well, how can a kid say, hey, I want to be a solar technician or I want to invest in renewable energy if they're not familiar with these terms or these jobs or kind of where we're headed um, into the future. And so we really wanted to take all of that language and make it make it accessible for kids, but also for adults, because I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, like a solar technician wasn't a job. A solar installer really wasn't a job. Somebody working in artificial intelligence was cool, but they were probably geeking out, right? Like we didn't really understand that this was, you know, an everyday thing that people are working on. And so we really wanted to bring that um, those stories, I should say, and those careers um, to kids so that they can start to say, I want to be an animator. Right. Um, I want to be a dendrochronologist, somebody who studies trees. um, Right. And get that terminology. That's really important. And as basic as this may sound, I really resonate with that, right? Because I feel like when I was young, uh, I only knew that I wanted to be a forensic accountant, which like was like branded. Every time one of my friends said like, oh, what do you want to be? I'm like, I want to be a forensic accountant. <laughs> I didn't learn that in school. I learned that from a movie, Catch Me If You Can. Right. But it's just like, we don't, if we don't know what's out there, we don't know what the possibilities are, right? And so uh, many of us don't learn about those things until we get to college. And I won't say it's too late, but we've missed out on a lot of fun already, like honing in on um, the the career that we want to experience, you know? Definitely. And I think as caregivers, right, one of the challenges is I've got two kids under five, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to expose them to all of these things. But if you as the caregiver don't know what these jobs are, don't know, okay, there are 44 different fields in engineering, for example, or that, you know, a wind farm manager can make as much as a computer scientist. If you don't know these things, it's hard to share them with your kids. So I love writing books because I think books actually, I'm not really just educating the kids who read them, but I'm also educating all the caregivers around kids Mm -hmm. um, with information and facts, especially because I write nonfiction. So I get to take all this really super fun research and like distill it down and capture people's imaginations and even adults' imaginations. You do. You do capture adults' imaginations. And I just want to say that I love that you keep saying caregivers instead of parents, because there are so many people that play a hand um, in raising our little ones um, and that have the responsibility of reading to them. And I talk to a lot of parents about the importance of reading with their children at home, because although this is a good fit for a school library, it's perfect for the home library. But even in school, parents think that uh, teachers have time to go over all this with the kids. (laughs) 
Right. And Aiden goes to a STEM school, but I can assure you that a lot of the uh, different titles in this book, and there are many of them, like Aaron said, it's like 100 pages, right, is what she said. Uh, while I have it in front of me, I can tell you it's almost 100 pages. You know, teachers have a focus. Yeah. You know, and they have to teach what they have to teach. Many of them do not have the time to divert from the curriculum that they've been given. Many schools are focused on testing. So just like I tell you guys, a lot of teachers don't have time to make reading fun. Right. They don't have time to really dig into the nitty gritty of everyday superheroes either and make it this fun. And when you're home and you're reading nonfiction to your kids, um, we talk about just taking just read one page, right? Just read one paragraph. Like you don't have to be overwhelmed with reading nonfiction with the kids. And it's so, how old are you? How old is that tree in your front yard? How old is the sand in the sandbox? Mm -hmm. How often do we think about that? Right. You know, how old, I don't think I've ever, how old is that sand? And it actually kind of grosses me out now when you think about it. <laughs> Right. Like there's there's a, a woman in there who she talks um about like burps and farts and greenhouse gases, right? And how many times yeah. you fart in a day. But I think one of the great things about writing nonfiction is if you grab people with questions. And so what you just read is that each of our stories are led with questions. So yeah. we start all of them with that because it gets you kind of thinking and um, gets you in that investigative mindset and back mm -hmm. to that curiosity, right? And even as adults, you're like, oh, wait, how old is that sand? Should I like get rid of that sand <laughs> in my kid's sandbox, right? I'm thinking about that, like, okay, it was last summer. It's not too bad, right? <laughs> um, and, and the fun part too, and you show that is, you can just pick anybody in there. Like you don't have to go in an order. If your kid yeah. is drawn to a particular illustration or really likes space or really likes animation or really likes coding, right? Kids will be drawn to that book because it's illustrated and they just pick. I've literally had a, an entire four-year-old preschool class that went through that book and learned about all of those different careers. Um, and that's really the goal with this series is that there's an entry point, no matter who you are and what age you are and what reading level you're at. Um, because mm -hmm. we really wanted to, to get you thinking just about who are the people that are shaping our lives, that are creating technology, that are making our planet greener, that are working in healthcare. Um, mm -hmm. And what are those jobs for kids to explore? Thank you for sharing that. So how did you decide who to put in the book? Ooh, that's a good question and always yeah. a challenging one. So that first book actually just was about two years of research. Um, mm -hmm. It was a lot of reading. And I'll be honest, I was sick of reading about the same top 100 women you should know in STEM. And I'm going to tell you that most of them, if not all of them, majority of the time were all white women. They were all mm -hmm. women had PhDs. So they had a lot of education, which is not a downfall. But I think what happens is then STEM seems inaccessible, right? That you yes. have to have a PhD. And especially for young girls, our young girls think you have to be an A plus student to be in STEM. So they're like, I'm not the best in the math class. So I can't be a mathematician or I, you know, I got a B plus or even a C in science. So I'm not going to pursue that. And so we really wanted to take some of those myths and figure out who are these everyday people, right? Who are trying to solve the problems that we're working on now. So for example, there's a fashionable, um, a sustainable fashion designer in the book, 
Okay. Yes. And actually what she does is she doesn't even have a textile engineering degree, but she was more curious about the problem of, well, what if you need to put on your clothes differently because you don't have a limb or the function in your right hand looks different than your left hand. And so how zippers are faced and how buttons are faced and coordinated and where the space for your head or your arms should go. Right. And so, you know, we found her because she was just solving an everyday problem. Right. How do people wear clothes? And it does that fit, right? And so, you know, we did research. We discovered her for the next book, Women in Energy. Um, we did research. We also got some nominations. So we decided to put a pool out there and say, who are the women that we should know, right? Um, who are the ones that are doing work in your company, et cetera? And we had over, I mean, 250 nominations and they're phenomenal. And I know there's more women out there, right, that are yeah. actually doing this work. And so the best part of this is that um, I get the honor of sharing their story um, with kids, which is truly an honor, right, to share somebody's pathway and career and their superpowers. And that's probably the most exciting part is in doing this, I get to interview all these women, I get to meet them, I get to learn about them, some of them I get to meet in person. And um, that's kind of the most rewarding part is they are everyday people. Some of them are moms. Some of them are grandmas, right? Like they like to eat fried chicken. They like to walk to the park. They kayak, they canoe, you know, they're just, they're everyday people like you and I, um, but they're solving some of our biggest problems that our world is facing. So many things you said I want to dig into and I'll start with, I had, I don't know why, but I don't know why I thought that you were just doing like research and writing about these people. So you're actually interviewing as a part of your process, um, all these people sitting down with them and learning about them. How are you finding the time? (laughs) (laughs) Because you're also an educator. Um, I gave a brief uh, introduction to you, a brief introduction to you, a brief bio. Um, tell us about like your your day to day. I'm so interested in that now that I'm learning that you're actually interviewing. I mean, there's like what? How many pe- pe- women? There are, are there? there are at least 26 in each book yeah. as our superhero level, right? And it's mm-hmm. 26 because we follow an A to Z format. So, um, you know, there's always 26. Um, I'm a kind of a strange educator in that I don't have my own classroom. So what I say is I get to do the fun stuff. I get to go visit classrooms and I get to go visit Girl Scout troops and I get to go visit public libraries. And I do a lot of um, encounters or STEM clubs or interaction with kids in that way. And that's kind of how I've used my education background. And Mm -hmm. then I spend most of my time writing books. So This book, although it came out in 2019, I've been writing books since 2015, and I've worked for a variety of different publishers. So this is what I get to do full time. Someone pays me to do the research. Someone pays me to write. And then I get to do the best part, which is share it with kids um, and share it in a format that's unique and fun. Because as you mentioned, right? Teachers are excited for this type of content, but sometimes there's just constraints that don't allow them Um, to pursue it as much as they want to. And so that's where I get to come in um, and be a visitor and be a guest. So if you're a caregiver out there or a teacher and you're like, hey, I'd love for you to come visit my classroom. I've been doing a lot more virtually. Um, I traditionally like in person. 
I think it's a little easier to interact with kids. Um, but you know, that's kind of how I spend my time. And it does, it does take time to interview people to get to know them. Um, but truly zoom, um, and all this technology is fantastic because I can just like you and I are talking today, right. In different parts. Um, it's like we're in the same room. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) I lost my train of thought there. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, it is. I mean, you know, because I interview um, many different authors and things like things like that, and it's always fun to learn about their backgrounds. Teachers, any of you out there listening, I know I've, I've spoken to a number of teachers, um, especially since the pandemic, when a lot of them are becoming more vocal about like what's going on in the classrooms and things like that. And I know many are exploring um, jobs still in or careers still in education, but outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that many eyes and ears perked up <laughs> when they're hearing about your experience where you're still able to interact with kids, yes. but you're not mandated or, you know, in a classroom um, all day. So that sounds like super fun. Um, thank you for sharing a bit more about your experience with us. Um, and looking at your book, um, I noticed that as for your illustrator, it says a collective. Ah, yes. That's fancy. Can you tell us a little more about that? <laughs> Sure. So I think um, one of the things that people don't always know about authors and illustrators and publishers is there's a unique collaboration that goes on, right? Like I can write some awesome words, but really what brings those words to life is an illustrator and then a publisher who puts it all together and packages it and says, you know, here's what we market and here's what we talk about. Um, And so this was a collective of illustrators and designers and largely because I am somebody who likes to work with a variety of different people. Um, And I think illustrating science, technology, engineering, and math concepts is always a challenge because you're asking somebody sometimes to create something they know nothing about, right? You're asking them to draw a wind turbine and the illustrator might be like, I don't know how tall a wind turbine is. What color is it? And yeah, they can Google it and find out. Mm -hmm. If they've never seen it themselves or if they never experienced it, sometimes you can get these sci-fi kind of looking things, right? And we want to show that these are real everyday technologies. So Mm -hmm. in this first book, we had a collective of, I think we had about four or five different illustrators from around the world who kind of helped us piece all these things together. For this new book, Women in Energy, we actually have an awesome illustrator. She has done everything. Um, Her name is Adwa Hernandez. She's a Venezuelan illustrator who has done work with Sesame Street and illustrated over 26 different books. Sonia Carey is an awesome animator in the book, right? She actually created Disney Princess Tiana. So there are lots of people, um, you know, that help to create and bring these images to life. So really excited to kind of have one illustrator hopefully moving forward for the next books in the series, um, because it's just a challenge to be able to illustrate all these different concepts. Um, but very excited to have had a collective for that first book. And I wanted the audience to experience the work of that collective. So if I hope you don't mind. I just wanted to show a few different pages because they're bright and colorful and cheery. And they really uh, suck you in when you go and you open up the book, even just to cover um, Everyday Superheroes, Women in STEM Careers. So you may have touched on this just a bit, but why women? Mm, So really good question. I think the number one fact I'll throw out there for you is that in children's books in particular, men who are in STEM are depicted three times 
the amount as women. So even though, especially in nonfiction picture books in the last probably decade, we've seen a really a big increase in kind of sharing the autobiographies of women um, in nonfiction, there's this big gap just in the book space of we're not sharing and we're not storytelling women's stories. But then also when you look outside of that and you look in STEM education and you look at who is um, following these paths, who's going into technology, who's going into AI and computer science, it tends to be men. Um, And that's both on the education side um, all the way from actually as early as second grade, I'll be honest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all the way into the workforce, right? Um, even though women make up majority, or I think it's actually even more than that now, of women going to college, women and getting a college degree, mm-hmm. um, we're still not sharing those stories. We're not sharing those successes. And so we wanted to highlight um, women for that reason, to showcase other to other women that there are women out there. And the more we can share their stories, the more we can encourage other women to pursue those paths and for young girls to think that those pathways are open to them. And I think the second thing to remember is this book is not just for girls. This book is for young boys because young boys need to see women as leaders. They need to look at their classmates and see these girls and say, hey, yeah, you could be the captain of the computer science club, right? Like, I, we would love for you to be that. Um, boys need to see these role models as well so that it becomes normal, right? That's my goal is actually I want to be out of a job because I want it to be so normal that women are in these STEM careers, that there's no reason to like specifically highlight their stories because they're just part of these STEM careers and the solutions moving forward. Thank you so much. You, you see it. It's, I mean, it's prevalent in so many different places. Uh, I was telling you before we came on, I work in cybersecurity full time, um, more on like the sales operations side. But um, right outside of my office in that same area is our HR. Right. Yeah. And they're talking all the time about all these initiatives that they're doing, trying to find women in STEM. Like, <laughs> you know, they're just having a hard time just even recruiting. And then because it's such a male dominated field and we'll we'll learn from from um from these books that the field is vast, right? But yes. it's such a male-dominated territory that even when women do step into these roles, they oftentimes don't have a voice. Yes. Um, and they're afraid to take on like these leadership positions and things like that. And if I can think back, cause just to make it basic, if I can think like to one of my favorite uh shows, oh the, the title just left me, like the number one sitcom for so long, Big Bang Theory. Yeah, <laughs> When women like join the show, just the way that they were treated as scientists, you know, on the show in the beginning, um, you know, and just the dynamic between the main characters of the show and then their neighbor across the street as a woman who was like floundering in her career. Right. Um, just the way that that's looked at. Um, and I can go on and on. So books like this are, are super important. And, you know, I have a seven-year-old son and he's in STEM and it's important for him, yes, to see women in STEM and to recognize their superpowers and mm-hmm. to not, you know, dim their light when it comes time for them to step into the same um, spaces together. Right. Um, when they're older and even now um, is important. So Erin, we thank you for the, the work that you're doing in this space. It's so wonderful. Um, you said, uh, uh, I read another book of yours, Cow Farts. Yes, Capturing Cow Farts and Burps. So- Aiden giggled through that whole... <laughs> 
Of course. The whole book. Can you tell us about that one? I know we're not here to talk about that one today, but I'd love for you to share. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, as I mentioned, right, I'm an author. So if you find my name, you're going to find books. Um, that was a silly run I wrote, actually, when I was pregnant with my son, who's now mm-hmm. two. And I had done a, actually an author visit to my hometown in Minnesota. And some fourth graders were like, hey, can you tell us about farts, right? Like, And they were super interested in just farts and this analogy that I had created with greenhouse gases and talking about it. And so um, on the way home, I was flying. I think at the time I was living in Germany, so I was flying. And I just wrote down this idea for a book. And I was like, this is kind of a crazy idea. And then I was like, but kids would love it, right? Because it's funny. It engages them. It captures their attention. And then the more research I did, the more I realized, wow, like we're actually trying to capture cow burps and farts. Like this is actually a big problem because they release methane. They release a large amount of methane. And the cool thing about methane is we can actually convert it into electricity, So if we could figure out actually how to get all this methane from cows, burps and farts, um, we could actually get electricity from burps and farts. Like, that's awesome, right? So the impetus of that book was to, A, kind of showcase, here's a problem we're trying to solve. We haven't fully solved it yet. So in that book, I talk about like three different ways that we're trying to solve that problem of how do we capture this gas? Because I also wanted to show that science is not an end all, right? Like, Sometimes the solution will take hundreds of years and different tries. And so that yeah. book is um, silly, but it also kind of showcases like, look, you could be the next cow fart scientist, right? This is a problem that scientists, that farmers. I'm so that immature, I'm sorry. Are, are trying to work <laughs> on. And the best part about that is it gets your attention as a caregiver, right? And it mm-hmm. gets kids' attention and it gets them thinking about something so abstract right? Methane is a gas. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. So how do you understand this with all these different characteristics? Um, And this is a great way to do that. So capturing cow farts and burps is a really, it's a silly, that one is like you can read in one night. I think technically it's like 20 pages, but it's got big illustrations. So um, that's a good one. um, If you're looking um, for an intro, I guess, to nonfiction books. Yes. We, like I said, we loved it. Aiden giggled throughout the whole thing. And um, he's the grade he is in right now. They're really big on farts. That's all he talks. Yes. He talks about <laughs> when he comes home. So it's like the perfect book. If you're looking for something, I call them, um, you know, you want to have a belly laugh with your kids. That's the perfect book to pick up um, if you're looking for that kind of mood. So can you tell us where are your books available? Where can we buy these books? Yeah, so you can um, find them in all the traditional places, right? Depending on what you're looking for, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart.com. You can find them on my website. You can find them on Itasca Books. But my favorite, I'll give a shout out to Bookshop.org. And if you're not familiar with them, Bookshop.org is kind of like an Amazon, except for it buys the book from a local bookstore, wherever you're shipping it to. So you type in the address, the recipient, and it actually buys that book from a local independent bookstore. So bookshop.org is a great place. Um, Anywhere you can find it, you can also um, DM me on Twitter or on IG or send me an email if you want a signed copy. I'm happy to do that and send that to you. Erin. 
Thank you so much for sharing with us um, your work. Thank you for the work that you do, number one, and then sharing that work in these wonderful books that you've put together. They're essential for, for every home, not just the classroom, but our home bookshelves as well, um, to talk with our kids about the possibilities out there in the world of science um, for both our young women and young men. Is there anything else you want to share about your books, Erin? No, I just really appreciate you um you know, looking behind the scenes at authors, we don't always get to share in the aha moments um, with readers. So it's fantastic that you're doing this um, and connecting all of us in this space. So thank you so much for having me today. And I look forward to writing more nonfiction books for all of you viewers out there and another time. We're looking forward to it as well. And thanks, Aaron, for recognizing that. This is so fun for me. So everybody have a great night. I'm going to put Aaron's um Twitter and IG. Is your Twitter that I capture that correctly? Yep, you can use that. That works. Okay, good. Um, so thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Make sure you find Erin online. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. Um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye.